0: I think one important lesson I've internalized and that I would like to pass on to any other people considering entrepreneurship is that you don't need to be, and in fact, you probably should not be scalable at the beginning because you need to find out what's working. You need to find out who your customers really are at the beginning and how you can help them and how you can add value and then figure out how to make it scalable. Hi,
1: my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of of nine years. And struggle.
0: I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet. And I, I did it.
1: And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe, and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hello, hello, my name is Kara, and welcome back to episode 14 of the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. Today's guest left her comfortable job at Amazon to launch a sustainable tour booking platform that connects eco-minded travelers with ethical tour operators around the world. Hilary Mattson founded You Earthside in 2020, despite a global pandemic and no prior experience in the travel industry. In this episode, she shares her process for screening new tour operators, some of the unexpected challenges of running an OTA, and the social media platform that has been most effective in helping her grow her business. Hillary also opens up about experiencing self-doubt as a female entrepreneur and her biggest piece of advice for other women considering a dramatic career change. Hilary is an inspirational figure in the travel industry and I'm so excited to share our discussion on how she built her sustainable tour booking platform, Eugen Earthside. So without further ado, here is Hilary from Eugen Earthside. All right. Hi, Hillary. Welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. I am very happy to have you here and hear all about your journey because it sounds like a really interesting one going from being an Amazon executive to founding your own sustainable tourism business and living in
0: Paris. So welcome and happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. I, I love talking about my journey and sharing it with other people. So very happy to be here. Great. Well,
1: let's get right into it. Let's hear a little bit about your background, where you're from, and then your time at Amazon and why you chose to eventually leave.
0: Yeah. So, my life has had a big pivot over the last few years. I spent actually almost a decade at Amazon. I'm from Seattle. So, I was working in their headquarters office right after college or university for international listeners. And so, I was there for a really long time and it really shaped the first part of my career. I saw what it was like to work in a big tech company. And I did a lot of different roles from accounting to inventory management to product management. Uh, And eventually I switched to their Paris office. It was always a dream of mine to live in France. And I love, I still live in Paris. I absolutely love that. But I kind of hit the end of the corporate road per se, where I got to a point in my early 30s where I really wanted something that was a little bit closer aligned to my personal interests and values and I figured out that that was sustainable travel, and that that wasn't something that was going to happen at Amazon. So, so I, I left to do an MBA, and I used the MBA to help me launch my sustainable travel company.
1: Amazing. And why specifically sustainable travel? I can see that you have an interest in travel just from wanting to move abroad, but what was it about sustainable travel that really drew you to
0: it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a little bit it's it's kind of it was intuitive for me once I sort of had the time and the space to reflect on how I wanted to like spend my life and I don't I don't want to like sound too cheesy but I was just thinking like what am I going to be really proud of at the end of my at the you know whenever I look back on my life <laughs> and I really wanted to feel like I was contributing something and there's so much uh, negativity in there's in the world and there's so much depressing news and I really wanted to be in an environment where I felt like I was contributing something positive and working with other people who were doing something positive. And for me, travel is so joyous. There's so much exploration and adventure and human connection and better understanding of people. So it's just something that I've loved for a long time. And then on the sustainability side, uh, coming from Seattle, it's a very green city. You know, I've never owned a car. I love taking public transportation. I've been Recycling and composting since I, you know, could walk. So there's these sustainable elements that have just always been a part of my life. And after Amazon, I, I took out a bunch of post-it notes and I wrote down one idea per post-it note of things that I really liked or that I was good at or that I wanted to do. Uh, and ecotourism was actually the first post-it note that I wrote down. And so I looked at all my post-it notes together and I started thinking like, okay, how can I put these together? How can I put how can I make a career for myself that's gonna be more fulfilling in the long term? Oh,
1: I love that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm massively passionate about sustainable tourism as well. And I just think there's so many ways that travel and tourism can have a positive impact on the world. And I think we just need more companies like your own to, to, to drive that kind of positive force. So can you tell us a little bit about your
0: company and yeah, what you do? Yes. So the company is called Yugen Earthside, and Yugen is a five-letter Japanese word that means about a paragraph of text in English. Uh, (laughs) So I'll go over it slowly. (laughs) But Yugen means an awareness of the universe that triggers an emotional response that is too deep and powerful for words. So it's quite a mouthful, but that kind of, I don't know, it, um, it sort of signifies like with the feeling that I get when I travel just sort of like this awe of how how cool our, our earth is. So that's the company name, Yugen Earthside, and we are a sustainable travel booking platform. So what we do is we find responsible tour operators all over the world and we evaluate them based on what sustainable actions they take. And then if they meet our standards, then we invite them to list their trips on our platform. And then because we're a platform, That's the supply side, and then we match that with the demand side, which are eco-conscious travelers who want to travel more mindfully and more responsibly and are interested in having their travels leave a lasting, positive impact. So that's really the crux of our business. And we do a few other things like providing free educational resources and blog posts to travelers and tour operators. We also have a small e-commerce shop for zero waste travel products. And yeah, we try to make it like a holistic experience where you can come to our site and find a responsible trip really easily. That sounds fantastic. How are you finding these businesses that you're partnering with or are they finding you? Yeah, another good question. So honestly, a lot of them have found us, which is really flattering and inspiring. It's so cool to see how many companies, first of all, are taking actions to be more responsible. And second of all, are taking the initiative to find opportunities like, like our platform. And I mean, we're quite vocal on social media and travel forums and communities. So our name is out there. But I really feel like the companies that are qualified to apply to our site, they are kind of gravitating towards us. And we're now entering a new phase where we want to be a bit more purposeful in finding specific, well, finding operators in specific countries or target specific areas based on where you know clients say that they want to go. But we have about 30 partners right now, and the vast majority of them have actually approached us and then and then we've screened them. So that part has been surprisingly smooth.
1: <laughs> yeah, congrats on that. That's amazing. And I, I was on your website and I saw you you go basically everywhere, like at least every continent. And I'm sure you're continuing to build that, but it's really impressive.
0: Yeah, not quite every continent yet, but we're we're in about 35 different countries. So we have representation in the Americas and Europe, the Middle East, South Asia, and Africa. So still more ground to cover, but it's a good start.
1: Yeah, that's great. And talk to me about the screening process. What are the qualifications you require to have a company hosted on your platform?
0: Yeah. So basically, it's broken down into a few parts. The first part is sort of a series of surveys or forms that the tour operators will fill where they tell us what sustainable actions they take. And the main form for this breaks it down into general actions and then across the three pillars of sustainability. So when a lot of people think about sustainability and travel together, uh, the environmental aspect is what comes to mind first, which is a huge one. It's super important. But there are two other ones that are also very important. One is the economic pillar and the, uh, the second one is the socio-cultural pillar, the community pillar. And so we ask what they do for each of these uh, areas. And we also ask if they have things like any certifications or if they have a sustainable travel policy, they do carbon offsetting for their trips. So we sort of collect all of that. And then we also have like an open-ended question where they can tell us about any other sustainable actions that they take. And then, so that's all the first part. And the second part is based on those answers, we will do a video interview with them. Obviously in this day and age, everybody is virtual and with travel, our partners are all over the world. So it's not possible to be having all these meetings in person, but we do video interviews with them. That's the second phase. And then uh, the third third step is that we have kind of a, a rubric that's just for our internal use. And we combine their qualitative answers along with their quantitative answers. And we make sure that they meet a certain threshold before inviting them to the platform.
1: Right, that's really that's really interesting. And I'm wondering how what how does that business model work? So are you paying a commission or is the those companies paying a commission to you for every
0: booking or Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty standard platform model. So we want it to be really easy for the customers to come and find it and so what we're doing is we get a commission when we sell a trip on behalf of the tour operators. So Right now, there's no fee to join the platform or to list trips on the platform. Partially because we're so we're so young that we're trying to get like good suppliers in place first. Uh, we don't have the leverage that other companies like Responsible Travel or Tour Radar have. Just getting started, it's commission only, and so there's really really low risk for the tour operators because if we don't sell a trip for them, then they don't need to pay us anything.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then our, when customers book on, are they booking on to an existing trip that's offered by that company? So they would be joining a group
0: that's already planning to go out or what is the operational strategy there? Great question. So we first of all have three different types of trips. One is what you just mentioned, which we would call small group trips. Those also have fixed departure dates or set departure dates. You'll hear a lot of synonyms in this space. And all of our trips are a maximum of 12 people. So that could be like, okay, there's a trip to Lebanon happening in June, 2022. There's 12 spots. You can book a spot as a solo traveler. You can book a spot with your partner, but there's still only 12 spots. The second type of trip we have is a private experience, which will also be guided or escorted, but you can choose your own departure date. So there's a bit more flexibility and also, you know, it's a bit more intimate or exclusive because you're not sharing it with with strangers. And then the third type of trip we have are self-guided trips, and those are mostly for walking tours or cycling tours where they're in safe countries and the tour operator plans out the route for you and they book your eco accommodations and it will include some of the meals, but you have a lot more independence and freedom about, you know, the timing of how you actually do that, that route and what you see along the way. So those are the three different trip types. And then the other part of your question was how customers will pay like operationally. Right now, they will pay the tour operator directly, and then the tour operator will send us a commission. And we like this because as a customer, you're going to know exactly which company you're, you're paying. You're going to understand their terms and conditions, their uh, their cancellation policy, everything like that. What we are working on, because we are a small startup, so things are changing quickly, is we are working on kind of the reverse of that model where the customer would pay us up front and then we would keep our commission and then remit the balance back to the tour operators. So that part, honestly, is still a little bit in flux because we're just so new. So figuring it out as we go.
1: Yeah, I bet. And I'm wondering how how much are you liaising between the operator and the customer throughout that process? Do you kind of hand them over once the customer has found the tour that suits them or do you continue to liaise between the two?
0: Also a great question and also very much in flux. Uh, our team is super small and this is my first time like starting a company. So I honestly am figuring out so much of these things as I go. So with our first few clients, I was really, really hands on. And it was it was not scalable. It was not something that, <laughs> that I can do for everybody. So that was a really good learning. So in the future, I would say that we're going to try to basically match make between what the client wants and which tour operator is the best fit uh, as soon as possible. Like get the key information from the clients about what they're looking for uh, and then let the tour operator answer the questions directly and handle everything directly Uh, keeping our team CC'd on the emails so that we don't lose, you know, the fact that we've made that connection. So, so yeah, that's kind of where, where we're going. And we do have multiple tour operators in each location or in most of our locations. So what we're going to be proposing to the clients is really like, here are multiple companies that can build the trip that you want, or that, you know, maybe they have the small group tour, but really differentiate based on what their sustainable actions are and what their impact is so that people can start that process of voting with their wallet and saying, yes, this is the type of company I want to support to take this trip.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. And I wonder, because I can see how it would be really difficult, especially as a small company, to have to continue to liaise between the two. But at the same time, I guess there's always the risk that You introduce someone to a company and then they go and book directly with them rather than through you. So how do you how do you manage that?
0: That is completely a valid risk. And it's also a risk of any platform model. So it's not unique to us at all. Uh, And we get this question a lot because it's it's kind of I I won't say like the elephant in the room, but it's a common it's a common concern. And the way that we manage it right now is that we have a very select set of partners. We only have like about 30 partners, like not, not even. So we're not working with a lot of people here. And most of the teams that we work with are pretty similar to us in the sense that they're boutique, small operations. So in most cases, when I'm doing the video interviews, I'm talking to the CEO or founder of this company. And so you develop a personal relationship And so that, that's like the first component. And the second component is that there is a fair amount of trust involved and, uh, we are a new company and I'm sure that we will have struggles, uh, with, with, uh, with operators, but it hasn't happened yet. And it's kind of like a one strike, you're out. Like, you know, we don't get paid unless we sell a trip for them. So if they were, if either the client or the tour operator were to circumvent that, then, you know, there's a lot of other sustainable companies out there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I guess like the third thing is that I think or at least I believe like the optimist in me is that this is a pretty altruistic sector like where everybody is trying to do a good thing. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to make sure everybody gets paid fairly. They're trying to make sure that there's like a real positive impact that's coming out of the whole experience. So, I'm really hopeful that we actually won't have any or not many of these sort of this sort of tension. Because, you know, I like to just think that we've chosen really good companies and that we have trust in them.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, you're completely right in saying that you are working in an altruistic environment. So hopefully, yeah, that won't be a concern. But also, like you said, I think the one strike you're out policy puts everyone on their best behavior in in, in that sense. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Very interesting. And I'm also curious, do you have an ideal customer in mind beyond their interest in sustainability?
0: Yeah, so we do have like a target, a target persona of who our ideal customer would be, and and right now that person would be between 25 and 40 years old, and either living in the United States or an English speaker in Western Europe, and this is somebody who already has kind of the tenets of sustainability as important values in their life. Uh, they're relatively, you know, they're mindful, they're conscientious consumers just in general, not just with travel but but with everything and also well traveled and care care about the world so an empathetic person so we do have that kind of person in mind and we have a second persona as well that is in like an older generation people that do care about the environment but they have also more more time and more disposable income where they can again, be part of that, like voting with their wallet of like, how do they spend their free time? How do they spend their disposable income? So we're kind of targeting both of those, both of those customers. But the types of trips themselves, they're sort of a few different categories. We have cultural trips, which focus a lot on local interaction, maybe meeting artisans or doing homestays. Uh, There's usually kind of heritage or history elements to that, where it can be very education focused for people who really want to learn. And then we also have active trips, and this would include things like walking, trekking, cycling, climbing. So those that, that's kind of a more, a more active set. And what I love about those trips is that there's so little carbon impact once you're at the destination that it's like a very green way to travel, especially if you can do the carbon offsets and removals from however you choose to get there. And then on top of that, we are starting to add more gastronomy and wine uh, tours which I love because to me, food and, and wine and drinks, it's such a big, pleasurable part of travel. and It also has a lot to do with uh, with the local ingredients, local suppliers, the history and culture of the food in that region. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I love a food and wine <laughs> tour any day. That's <laughs> one of my favorites for sure. Well, Your platform sounds absolutely amazing. I've spent some time on your website and it's stunning and I yeah I really love the work you do. Now I'd like to go a little bit back to how
0: you got started. Yeah, so I touched on this a little bit, but after I left Amazon, it was I mean, that environment is so fast-paced that you know, you're thinking about doing your job 24/7. And so when I when I left, I I really took the time to reflect on on what type of work I wanted to be doing. And some of the other I know I told you that ecotourism was like the first post-it note that I wrote down. But I also wrote sustainability and helping people and launching things and, you know, making things better. And so I put all that together to say, okay, how can I turn this into a business and how could I maybe focus that on ecotourism and what does ecotourism even mean? So it first required learning about the different pillars of sustainable travel and, and ecotourism. And then also, how do you make that into a business model? And so this platform was sort of in my mind. So then I started to work on a business plan. At the same time, I was applying to MBA programs and I realized that I had no clue what I was doing with like writing a business plan. (laughs) I felt (laughs) so like in the deep end and not in a good way. I was like, oh, what am I doing? I have this idea. I think it's a good one, but I need help. (laughs) So I got into an MBA program called HEC, which is right outside of Paris. So I could stay, stay in Paris for that. And they have a specific focus on entrepreneurship and also on social and inclusive business. And so I got my MBA degree, but I also got these very tailored um, kind of pockets of knowledge to really complement my background. And as my final MBA project, I actually wrote an actual business plan and had it you know, reviewed by a professor and got feedback on it from you know, my strategy professor and from classmates of mine who were going into consulting. And so by the time I graduated, I felt like I had a really solid business plan. And then it was time to just like work on bringing it to life. So really, really big change and kind of evolved over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. And I love your honesty, in terms <laughs> of, you know, feeling scared and in the deep end, because I think a lot of people can relate to that. But you've obviously worked through that and created this fantastic business. So what were the first steps you took to make that idea start to materialize?
0: I had a lot of challenges because every week, every day, things were changing with COVID and my business plan just kept like doing these 180s. And I was like, oh my gosh, where, where am I going to land? This is a nightmare. So just so much kind of like turmoil of like, who's the target market? Do I focus on French people and traveling locally? Like, do I like, what, where do I go first? So understanding that landscape and also understanding the resiliency of the tourism industry, like before COVID, uh, the tourism industry was growing faster than the global GDP rate for the last nine years, and travel and tourism is ten percent of global GDP. So it's an absolutely massive industry, and we saw it bounce back after the two thousand eight financial crash, and it's going to bounce back after COVID. So really understanding like the the larger macroeconomic market and then also honing in on like whose problem are we solving and how is this platform going to help solve it and where are our clients like what we were talking about with the ideal customer persona who are we really targeting to what social media platforms do they hang out on how are we going to reach these people so the business plan will kind of walk you through what is the problem what is the solution what technology what you know what resources do you need to make this happen and it's kind of like putting together a huge puzzle with no right answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's so, I mean, in any business, finding that clarity is really difficult and it is ever evolving. But to try and find that in COVID when exactly like you say, the landscape is constantly changing and it's so hard to predict anything, that's really impressive that you've, you've managed to do that. So did you get your website up and then how did you, I mean, you said that a lot of your partners found you, how are you marketing your
0: platform? So with the website, I got very, very lucky. My boyfriend built it for me or we built it together. He did all the hard work. I did, you know, the the pictures and the, the writing, like the actual content, but the, the layout of the website and all the technical stuff <laughs> I had an immense amount of help with. Uh, we also did the site in WordPress so that... It's it's relatively learnable, even if you're not a web developer. So once the framework was there, you know, I'm able to maintain it. I'm able to make updates and you know, add the trip listings, add the blog posts, add update the homepage. I can do all of that now. So that was like a, a big, big piece. And then for finding for finding the tour operators, I was actually talking to the tour operators while we were building the website. So by the time we actually launched the website, I think we had I don't know, like six or seven partners and, and several trips. So we made sure that we launched with not nothing, but like (laughs) with an actual site with real trips on it. And we post a lot on LinkedIn, which might be kind of weird to some people, but there's so many businesses on it. I mean, that's what it's there for. And so by following like the sustainable travel hashtag or by following other travel companies and making our own posts, And on my personal LinkedIn page, um, a lot of companies found us through there. And a lot of companies found us through Instagram, which was kind of surprising to me. And uh, then I attend a lot of different industry events and uh, panels, webinars, virtual sessions. And I always make sure to introduce myself in the comments and, and ask questions so that people can kind of see my name and be like, oh, who's this person? But it's, it's honestly, it's really scrappy because I'm, I'm like the new kid on the block. So I came into this industry, not knowing anybody in the industry. And now after, you know, after a year and a half, I have quite a good network, but it's, it's been really like grassroots.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm very interested in the LinkedIn strategy. Cause that's not a platform that I hear a lot of people using, which it's, Seems crazy because it is, you know, it's, it, by nature, you're connecting with other businesses and business owners on that platform. Do you have any other other specific tips for having success on LinkedIn?
0: Yeah, well, I think it, like any algorithm with these, you know, kind of creepy social media things, the more things that you interact with, the more the more you're going to see that. And it does kind of become an echo chamber. But so much of my feed now are sustainable travel companies posting links uh, or articles or updates. And every post like that is an opportunity for discussion. So if I say, oh, this is a great article, or this was a good read, I really liked these points, doing something that's like acknowledging, but also adding a little bit of value, because you want people to see your name and to see what you do. So anytime my name comes up on LinkedIn, it'll say Hillary Mattson, founder, Eugen Earthside, sustainable travel company. And I think it has X X Amazon in there too. So even when I just comment on something, people can automatically see my name, my company's name, Sustainable Travel Company, and Amazon. And Amazon's not really that relevant, except for to say that I have all this big corporate experience that even though I'm new to startup life, I've been, you know, I've been in the working world for a little while. So a lot of people will connect with me off of that. Or people will comment about their companies, or their companies will comment on these posts. And so then I'll make connections with those. And as soon as you're connected, it's super easy to just send a message and say, hey, I really liked your comment on this post, or it looks like your company would be a great fit for our platform. Or, you know, a lot of people are doing that in reverse where they're contacting me. And so I think it's it's really like putting yourself out there in the universe and seeing what comes back.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are you producing a lot of your own content as well, putting out blog posts and that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, we, it's been, it's been tough. The blog posts take a long time to write, at least to write like good ones, which is of course what we try to do. So we're, we're producing about one blog post a month right now. And when I first started, I mean, I wanted a blog post a week and then I was like, okay, maybe once every two weeks. And now I'm like, if we can do one a month, that's great (laughs) because the blog posts, they're so, I mean, I think they're so interesting. I think our blog posts are amazing. And they're not super long reads, you know, maybe five to seven minutes. And and they're all, they all are connected to sustainable travel, but in like a fun, a fun way. Like we don't want ever to, we don't want travel to ever feel boring or dry. So you kind of need to like spoon feed it of like, Hey, look at this awesome trip. And by the way, it's sustainable. So, <laughs> so we, we do a lot of content production like that. And then, especially at the beginning, we really built out the sustainable travel resource pages, and we go through and update those, I don't know, I would say every like three to four months. Um, So they're pretty static, but we do update them. And that really is kind of trying to be sort of a highlight reel of the best resources that we've found from other companies or from other NGOs or other tourism organizations, trying to basically just put things in one place. So we really want people to feel like they can come to our website and have a one-stop shop and, and find useful content. So, but the blo- the blogs are the main things that we're producing firsthand.
1: Okay, interesting. And then how are you connecting with customers? Because I can see how you're interacting with businesses. Are people finding you and booking you, finding you on LinkedIn and booking from that point? or Or how does that generally work?
0: So honestly, all of our first clients are from like the extended friends and family network, which I think is pretty typical of any startup, but especially with like a sustainable travel startup, uh, I think there's an extra complication because the trips that we're selling, they are expensive, or I would say they're mid-range. They're not luxury by any means, but if you're going to go on, you know, a 14-day trek in the Himalayas, like that's going to cost money. So because our trips include the itinerary, the guide, the entrance fees to any national parks. Um, A lot of our trips include donations to like social or environmental projects, tipping the porters, the the organic, local, vegetarian food on the trail. You know, it includes everything except for, you know, the the flight or the train to get to the destination. So I think there's some work that needs to be done to get people to trust us as a new company. And that is going to take time. And so it's not like we're selling a $10 widget. We're selling, you know, I think our average trip price is around $1,500. So again, not, not luxury. it's actually a really good value, but you're not just going to spend $1,500 in the middle of COVID with all this uncertainty with variants and booster shots, et cetera, with a company that you don't hundred percent trust. So anyways, that's, we're building that up from, from friends and family first, and then from there, you know, we'll get more more word of mouth and reviews and and build up.
1: Yeah. And I think that organic growth, like you said, is very common. And I think it's, it's a good thing. You want to reach out to your network of people to begin with. But what, what is your long term marketing strategy to try and get
0: more clients booked with you in the future? So right now, we just launched this maybe a month ago now. It still feels pretty recent. But if you go onto our website right now, there will be a pop-up where it will ask you about, like, what are your top destinations that you want to go to? And when you click on that, it will take you to a type form, which is kind of like a Google form, but nicer. (laughs) Sorry, Google. Um, it's It's like a very sleek user experience. And there's only two questions and one the first question is where do you want to go and it's a bunch of pictures of countries where we already have trips listed Uh, so they just can check as many of those as they want and then the second question is what is that person's email address and so this is our way of getting new people into our pipeline and to kind of help qualify them as leads by understanding how we can contact them and where they want to go and as soon as they fill out that information we put together a personalized curated brochure for them of our trips in the countries that they selected and so that kind of immediately starts the conversation with any new person about like hey you said you were interested in Kenya and Ecuador here are our trips there you know tell us how we can help with these and so that starts that starts the conversation so that's our newest that's our newest effort but Otherwise, it's it's honestly, it's just a lot of networking still and a lot of talking to people about what we do. Yeah, that
1: sounds really clever, though. That's a good way to get a, a lead, at least. Sounds like a lot of work as well, though, to create a brochure f- for
0: each person that's entering their email address. How, how have you found that? Well, over the summer, one, we had a couple interns helping us and it was, I mean, amazing. So one of, this was part of our big summer project for, for sales and marketing, but we've basically created a catalog, that's what I call it, of uh, of trip blocks, which I don't know if there's a better word, but that's just what I call them. And it basically has all the highlights of the trip. So a few bullet points of what you're going to be doing about the accommodations, about the impact. Um, just kind of like a teaser. And so we have these trip blocks already prepared. And so if you tell us that you're interested in certain countries, we're just going to pick a selection of what we think uh, you'll be most interested in from those countries. So we're not like starting from square one every time somebody requests a brochure.
1: Nice. <laughs> so
0: it goes faster, but I don't know. That part, it is, it is still manual. It is still personalized. And I think one important lesson that I've been or that I've internalized and that I would like to pass on to any other people considering entrepreneurship is that you don't need to be. And in fact, you probably should not be scalable at the beginning because you need to find out what's working. You need to find out who your customers really are at the beginning and how you can help them and how you can add value and then figure out how to make it scalable. So I'm very aware that right now we're not in the scalable phase. So (laughs) that's such interesting advice because
1: you, you always hear that, you know, set things up to make it scalable eventually. But I think that's a really good point that you don't want to do that until you know what you're doing and exactly what you want to be spending time on. So that, that's great. Do you have any other tips for entrepreneurs or things that you've learned in the last two years since starting the business?
0: Oh, I've learned so much. I sh- I probably should like journal about this, but no, I haven't, <laughs> haven't done that yet. Uh, one thing that I've learned is that, well, I think... I also struggle with imposter syndrome. I, I I think a lot of women do. And so that's something that I'm always kind of battling and especially coming into this new space. I mean, it's not that new for me anymore, but it still feels new. And so it's hard to feel sometimes credible or like an expert or like I'm allowed to talk about these things. And I think uh, for anybody, you have to keep inviting yourself to the table. You have to just keep doing your own research, writing your own content, having conversations, being willing to learn new things, being able to admit when you're wrong or when you haven't thought about it from a certain angle, but just keep putting yourself out there. And the more people that you know come to me and ask me, um, you know, to be on a podcast like this, for example, or I have people that are contacting me now to see if they can publish like guest posts on our website. Like people are coming to me and I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm like, are you sure you got the right person? But I'm like, no, like I live and breathe this stuff. This is my full-time job. Like I know at this point, so much more than the average person would know about sustainable travel. Not as much as somebody who's been in the industry for 10 years, but you know, you need to bring in fresh blood and and new ideas. So I've had to learn a lot about like not discrediting myself and really believing in in what I know and what value I can bring and not not be so self-conscious of feeling like I'm I'm new in, at this. Yes, absolutely.
1: I love I love, love, love that advice. I think it's so much easier said than done, but it's it's something that is needs to be at front of front of mind all the time because I, I completely agree. that's fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Your business sounds great. I'm going to go and spend some time on the platform and browse through your tours after this. But before I do that, how about you share with everyone else uh, where they can learn more about your business and about you?
0: Yes. So our website address is yugenearthside.com. So Y-U-G-E-N-E-A-R-T-H-S-I-D-E, Earthside. And that is, I mean, that's our website. It's also our social media handle, literally everywhere. So if you want to see me make a fool of myself on TikTok, you can do that. If you want to (laughs) see about the amazing impact that our trips are having, you can find it on Instagram. If you want to follow, you know, our company updates when we go to conferences or forums or post blog updates, you can find it on LinkedIn. Uh, But we're also on Pinterest uh, and, and Twitter. So Wherever wherever you are, we are, and it's Yugen Earthside. One word everywhere.
1: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so so much, Hillary. I've yeah, really enjoyed this conversation, and I really wish you the best of luck with Yugen Earthside. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.